All right, guys, before we get stuck into today's episode, I want to thank the major sponsor of the Fitness and Lifestyle Podcast, Unify Health Supplements. Unify have the highest quality ingredients on the market along with the best tasting products. You guys can head to unifyactive.com and use the code DJK10 to get 10% off all products on the website. So that's DJK10 at unifyactive.com to save 10% on all products with Unify Health Supplements. Let's get stuck into the show. Uh, my name's Lucas. I'm the founder of Boost Your Biology, and my specialties are men's hormonal health, nootropics, and testosterone optimization. And welcome to the Fitness and Lifestyle Podcast. Welcome to the Fitness and Lifestyle Podcast. I'm your host, Danny Kennedy, and I'm here to help you become the very best version of yourself. Perfect, brother. Lucas, welcome to the Fitness and Lifestyle Podcast, man. It's an absolute pleasure to have you on. Yeah, thanks for having me. I'm stoked to be here. I'm stoked to have you here, man, because I, I feel like every guest that I have on, I've always got like a personal interest, obviously, um, in in what they've got to say. And, and today I feel like there's going to be so many gold nuggets, I guess you could say, from mm. this episode for not only myself, obviously, but for the audience to take away and, and start utilizing straight away. So, Mate, what actually got you into the space you're in now? And actually before that, biohacking. Let's start with that. Sure. Biohacking. Can you give us an explanation as to what biohacking is? Yeah, so um, biohacking is essentially just a way of manipulating your environment, utilizing supplementation, modulating your nutrition to basically improve any aspect of human performance. Um, so biohacking, it sounds like a pretty crazy, sort of crazy term, but it's just essentially all it is is um, human optimization. So taking control of your physiology um, through different modalities, you know, things like earthing, looking at the sun in the morning, um, exercise, um, and just different lifestyle hacks. So I think a lot of people, when they hear the term biohacking, they think of like, inserting like chips into your <laughs> different into gadgets your, and yeah. shit like that yeah <laughs> yeah but it's uh it really isn't anything like too over the top i mean at least not what i you know preach sort of thing so yeah awesome and so coming back to my original question before i decided to just completely change paths what got you into this space obviously you're a naturopath um what was your initial interest and in, and what got you i guess intrigued in starting to understand all these and, and help people um obviously as well yeah, I mean, I was always really passionate about improving my performance playing soccer. So I used to play like semi-professionally. Always had a you know childhood dream of becoming a professional soccer player, playing overseas. Um, and then I just looked into different supplements and things that I could utilize to improve any aspect of my performance on the soccer field, whether that be like in improving my ability to read the play or um, improving recovery times. So I started... Honestly, I just started experimenting and trialing and logging my results and just being like a little lab rat <laughs> myself and, you know, experimenting and obsessed with research. Like I just honestly in my spare time, I'd wake up in the morning, you know, first thing I do on the toilet is start looking up research articles. <laughs> so I was always like really obsessed with like learning and understanding like mechanisms of action. Like people oftentimes like refer to me as like the mechanisms of action guy because I just love learning about like how does it work? I love learning yep. about the intricacies and the details about that sort of stuff. So yeah, I mean, I really just 
fell in love with that whole space of like biohacking. And I also felt like I had something unique to offer. I always mm. felt like if I'd learned something really new and novel or exciting, I was like, what's the point of keeping it to myself? I might as well just share it. And so that's when you know, started the Instagram, the podcast. And yeah, now I'm just creating lots of content. Yeah. And so for the audience of the fitness and lifestyle podcast is, is quite broad, but obviously most people have a, a pretty significant interest in their health and fitness and, and ultimately becoming the best version of themselves. You mentioned supplementation before, and I think for a lot of people, the word supplementation, instantly people kind of just pair that with obviously physiological um, mm. results or outcomes, right? Whether you're thinking of a pre-workout, a protein, creatine, whatever it may be. Um, but... I want to dive into nootropics and I guess what they are for the audience that don't know. Um, and I guess some of the key ones that you're kind of experimenting with at the moment or, or giving to clients that can actually have an impact on people's cognitive ability. Yeah, well, the term nootropics basically just refers to a category of supplements that can improve cognition, mm-hmm. whether that be improve focus, concentration, memory, reduce anxiety, things like that. Um and so over the years, I've dived deep into synthetic nootropics, so like actual drug-based, you know, compounds and then um, natural compounds, herbal extracts. Being a naturopath, obviously, we learned about, you know, Bacopa monieri and the basics like ginkgo biloba. So I had a lot of experience learning. <laughs> just just the basics for all of you guys out there listening, yeah. <laughs> so I was very, uh, yeah, I understood like a little bit about those, you know, herbal supplements and then, um, yeah, just started looking into compounds that could like improve dopamine signaling because mm-hmm. I quickly started, I quickly learned that dopamine was the neurotransmitter that would, you know, increase my chances of being more disciplined and yeah. lead to greater success in my business. Um, so I started just playing around with different compounds and researching different dosages and I came across, you know, a few gems along the way and, you know, now I'm like, talking about them prolifically on online and mm. um yeah seen some pretty tremendous results with some of these you know compounds i guess obviously the next question would be what's what were some of those compounds and some of the the findings you took away from all these experiments and and whether it be the dopamine signaling or or other i guess compounds that can help people with you know things like clarity and productivity obviously for those that are listening that are with within the business space as well productivity is constantly something that people are trying to you know improve as often as possible so what have been some of your findings that you are now um, talking about yeah so um i was always interested in like vitamin derivatives like Mm -hmm. i'm very hyper obsessed with like you know b vitamins and things like that and so i looked into a derivative of vitamin b1 Mm -hmm. which is called um thiamax and so vitamin b1 essentially what it does is it helps to utilize glucose as an energy fuel source for the brain and so what this particular B, b vitamin does is um, it accelerates glucose oxidation in the brain and enables better um, utilization of the brain's favorite fuel source. And so with that particular Thymax, I mean, some of the effects that I've noticed and even with clients and things like that is that they just no longer have that afternoon crash of energy, which mm. a number of people complain about when their caffeine starts to wear off. Yeah. Um, and so there's many potential you know, reasons how this is, having that effect but i think it's just definitely a um it's a big winner because there's minimal side effects like mm-hmm. you don't really it's not likely for 
clients or people to experience side effects. And it basically is correcting energy metabolism at the very root cause. So we're actually increasing the body's primary energy fuel source, ATP. Mm-hmm. Um, and just like we see with creatine, yep. you know, it's assisting with ATP production in the body. You just mentioned creatine. Um, I think, again, most people would pair creatine with physiological results, but there are some significant um, cognitive I guess enhancements that come from creatine aren't there. So are you able to explain a little about a little bit about that, please? Yeah. So a number of people probably associate creatine with, you know, um, bodybuilding or mm. building muscle, but there's a lot of new research coming out on the benefits of creatine in terms of staving off cognitive decline or improving aspects of um, memory formation and executive functioning. So we're seeing that creatine in dosages as little as two grams per day in supplemental form, which is not much. Mm. You know, commonly prescribed doses are five grams per day as like a maintenance dose. Yep. Um, creatine is having a pretty outstanding effect in, um, in particular, it's like really improving cognitive domains in the elderly population. Yes. So over the over the age of fifty, uh, I wouldn't say it's old, but yeah, <laughs> in that age range is um you know where creatine can really shine. And is it uh, a specific type? Like obviously, is it creatine monohydrate? Is it like what? What well, are the specifics? Well, creatine monohydrate is considered the gold standard creatine. Um, however, there is a there is a new form of creatine which I've spoken about quite a lot. It's called cregartine, um, and this is confused creatine. <laughs> <laughs> it's um, basically it outperforms creatine monohydrate, and you know there's a ton of different forms of creatine on the market. There's all those creatine HCLs. Um, but this one here in particular has a much better ability at crossing that blood-brain barrier and actually improving cognition. Um, the first week that I tried that particular Craig uh, um, I noticed like really vivid dreams and my memory right. recall was definitely improved mm. using that form. Obviously, for someone like yourself who's testing out these different compounds and different nootropics and what like that and whatnot, there's for most people there. I'm assuming they're not, uh, you know, supplements or compounds that they can just readily go down to the supplement shop and and get themselves. So, are there any that you would recommend that are readily available to to most people? And I guess what are the actual effects or benefits of of using these different nootropics? Um, so, in some cases, if we're looking at like let's say. I was like in a driving in a desert and I come across like a, a pharmacy that's like, and I had access to only one product over the counter. I'd probably lean towards vitamin B12 mm. um, as like an over the counter quick, what can I take for energy focus mood? Um, purely because even those who are not deficient in vitamin B12, let's say you're eating plenty of meat, chicken, whatnot, and you actually have sufficient amounts of B12 in your body and you're not deficient even supplementing B12 exogenously yep. can actually give you a pretty significant boost in like uh, mental clarity, focus, energy, and things like that. So over-the-counter things, I mean, it depends where if, you know, we're talking Australian counters or or, yeah. US <laughs> or Thailand. Yeah. <laughs> Goes up a level yeah. there. <laughs> yeah. Interesting. So, so B12, 
Um, I mean, coming back to we touched on before the productivity side and and the mental clarity. Um, someone that's sitting down about to crunch out a heap of work, whether people are studying or mm. someone's working on a new pro- product um, or project, whatever they're working on. There obviously there's other things or aspects aspects that come into um, interplay, whether it's things like hydration and your environment and, mm. and nutrition, obviously, and all that type of stuff as well. For someone who is really looking to just zero in and, and have that full concentration and productivity, what is the ultimate stack in terms of, you know, with nutrition, hydration, but then also the supplementation side as well? Yeah, I'm, I'm glad you prefaced that by stating, you know, the importance of all the other aspects of, you know, nutrition, getting good sleep, exercise. Like most people, I'd hope, understand that they're like the 80-20 Mm. And that nootropics, you just, it's just adding an extra 1% or 2%. And hopefully, yeah, they're deploying all the other strategies first and then, you know, doing some of the nootropic stacks. But if I were to formulate like one stack in particular that I've put together um, is a combination of an amino acid, L-phenylalanine, mm-hmm. which is found in – and people will hear that and be like, oh, is that dangerous? Like is that bad for you? Um, no, it's it's an essential – amino acid that the body needs we, we're consuming every single day from chicken fish nuts things mm-hmm. like that but if you take it in supplemental form at a dosage of around um, 1000 milligrams and for me personally i like to actually just dump it under the tongue as like a sublingual form yeah um if you combine that with then a little bit of also taurine and then um something called uridine monophosphate that stack there is something that will just make you want to get shit done, like be hyper-focused, hyper-productive. Um, and it's because it's working purely on that dopamine system, providing the substrates to actually create dopamine. And if you're someone who drinks coffee, um, that stack there would synergize really nicely with caffeine as well. With caffeine? Yeah. Where would people find these? Um, well, some of these, like these ones that I've mentioned here, they're, readily available from um nootropic vendors in the in the us they're mm-hmm. the ones that i sort of trust nootropics depot yeah is one of them Chuck um, a link to that in the show notes of the, i've used that one before yeah they're, they're, they're great um and then also some companies that i personally like are thorn that's one and then life extension mm-hmm. um but it depends on the actual the the supplement itself but that stack there that i mentioned that's like the hot like the, the get shit done stack yeah, <laughs> there is actually there is a famous stack actually out there known as the Mister Happy Stack. Um, Would love to hear that one, obviously. Yeah, <laughs> that one there is uh, a combination of um, omega threes, like really high dose omega threes, which I know probably a lot of your audience probably takes every mm-hmm. day. Um, plus uridine that I mentioned before, uridine monophosphate, and then B vitamins, and then CDP choline, which is another a choline source. Um, that stack there is like the og like it's like the the original nootropic stack to help with um increasing neuroplasticity and and actually putting you in a pretty good mood state and that's actually so is that increasing like dopamine levels as part of that or how is how is that actually working so that stack there is actually working on upregulating the dopamine receptors so right over time as we cook our brains using social media and things like that, pornography, um, illicit drugs, like they can downregulate dopamine um, production. 
But this stack here in particular can actually reconfigure and upregulate those dopamine D2 receptors. And that by itself can have a pretty profound effect on um, mood state. And I remember, I actually remember the very first time I tried that was actually first year uni. Um, and I remember taking it before, like going to, going to university. Um, and I remember just feeling like um, everything seemed a bit more vivid. I was a bit more cheerful and just chirpy. <laughs> um, everything seemed a bit more brighter and I just felt like I was like not phased by like just negativity and wow. yeah, really, it really is noticeable for someone who's a naive user. Yeah, for sure. Just on the topic of, of um, dopamine, outside of supplementation, what are some tips you can give around how to, I guess, you know, you see people talking now about doing, um, what do they call it? Where you're kind of- Dopamine fasting? Yes. Yeah. Yeah. In terms of someone who who feels like their their dopamine receptors have been overdone, yeah. right? Whether Again, whether it's all the things you mentioned before or whatever it may be, and they're trying to get it back to the point where they're able to have small dopamine hits from things that aren't- mm from external sources, I guess you could say. Um, what's the best way to go about that? Yeah, so what you're referring to here is like, what are the ways in which we can utilize other things in our environment to upregulate dopamine production naturally or those receptors? Mm. Um, one of them is actually something that I think a lot of people are fearful of is um, sun exposure, like being outside <laughs> yeah. you know, in the sun. Um, that's been shown to upregulate dopamine receptors and that probably contributes to the good mood that you feel when you travel up to Queensland or I was going to say, I haven't seen it here for a while. So <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So, I mean, that's like one strategy also um, endurance. I mean, without endurance exercise or hit training is another way to upregulate dopamine receptors um, and just making sure you're not deficient in basic vitamins like um, vitamin D vitamin C, like these things can actually, Oh, the most obvious one, which is probably the most prolific right now, is there's over 1 billion people worldwide who are low in iron, who are deficient in iron. They're anemic or sub-anemic sort of thing. And um, like that can significantly affect your dopamine production. Is that because they're not getting good sources of iron in their diet and stuff like that? Or is it something that people should be looking to supplement with regardless of how much they're getting from food? Yeah, so ultimately it's going to come back to like doing routine blood work and blood testing, which is something that I often encourage all you know clients look at their blood work. But it can definitely be a lack of iron intake from from actual diet, mm -hmm. not able to absorb iron, so low stomach acid or um, small intestinal bacterial overgrowth, SIBO, things like that. Mm -hmm. There are many factors that can affect like someone's iron status. Like I know guys that have smashed like they eat steak every single night like five nights a week yeah but their levels were still low and that wow. because that could be because you know it's an absorption issue um they, they might have been using reflux medications okay which can also affect you know iron levels as well right so yeah there's de and also coffee um a lot of people don't really know this but you know coffee can actually block the absorption of iron um when we have it around like iron rich foods Right, is that because it's uh, acidic or something, or yeah, because of the, um, the the polyphenols and some of the tannins in coffee can actually block iron absorption. Right, um, when we have it alongside a, a, like a steak or, or something like that. 
Interesting. So one last little thing here on, I guess, the, the supplementation side of things um, before we move on to testosterone, which is something I really want to dive into. But for those that are listening outside of, again, like the supplements that you would typically buy um, for the, the physiological um, results, I guess, your typical stuff like protein, all, this, all the other stuff that we've talked about already, what are some supplement? What are the supplements that you would highly recommend having in your house and and using daily? And I guess when. So again, like maybe not to the detail or to the to the level as someone like yourself would, um, <laughs> where you are using all these nootropics or whatever it may be. But just some of the everyday um, supplements, whether it be things like vitamins and and stuff like magnesium and whatever it may be. Um, some of the things that are on the the list of highly recommended. Yeah, so let's say we start with like the highest impact factor, like the highest impact, lowest hanging fruit. Um, first off would be vitamin D. If someone's undergoing or they're you know in the winter periods, they're not able to get vitamin D from food. You just simply cannot get vitamin D from food. So like keeping vitamin D in the pantry, you know, 30 bucks or whatnot, you know, like mm. keeping that there in cases of winter months and keeping vitamin D levels at the top end of the reference range will actually help to prevent getting super sick when the flu go- goes around. You know, things like that can actually have a pretty significant effect. What's the what's the recommended dose of vitamin D? Because you see, I guess, varying opinions or varying ranges. Yeah, you have the the band who are like the camp who say mega dose that and just do yeah. massive amounts every single day. I'm actually, I think the maximum upper limit per day should be about 7,000. IU. IU, yeah. Um, I think any more than that, you need to really start balancing all the other cofactors like vitamin K2, um, which actually helps alongside vitamin D to help with um, calcium de- deposition into bones and things like that. But um, I'd say, yeah, vitamin D is a, just a good one to have, you know, during those periods. And then I'd actually recommend having some sort of like liver support Right. Um, surprisingly, a lot of people will be like, you know, why is he talking about liver? Who cares about the liver? Mm. Um, but actually, it's probably one of my staples in, you know, in my cabinet. And one of the things that I take every single day is artichoke extract. Right. It's pretty... So you're talking liver support. Yeah. Yeah. So you're not talking like liver king, <laughs> eating liver or anything like that. Um, well, in particular, just helping the, the liver to detoxify, do its job, um, like... Anything so like that's the reason mm. for artichoke extract. Um, taurine's another one, the another amino acid that can just be really versatile, help with anxiety, general like feelings of stress, mm-hmm. working really well with magnesium. Um, so there's like some pretty like basic ones you can keep in the pantry, um, and then also having a really another really great immune immune boosting herb is um black seed oil. Right. Um, that one there. Mood boosting. Uh, immune, immune. Oh, immune. Sorry. Yeah. <laughs> I can need one for hearing. Yeah. So <laughs> um, some sort of immune boosters. Yeah. Black seed oil is really good. One teaspoon of that um, can help with like general colds and flus and things like that. I've been hearing a lot lately about um, ashwagandha or ashwagandha, however you pronounce it. Mm. What are the, the main benefits of that? And is it uh, what it's been hyped up to be? Yeah. So ashw- ashwagandha has... Uh, become uh i call it the the devil's herb now um because uh it's notorious for a side effect at the moment that's like affecting 
thousands of men around the world without them really knowing. Um, and that's its effect on blunting the pleasure response, um, which we're talking about the dopamine desensitization effect. Yeah. It can pretty much mimic that state where you're feeling blah, sort of feeling a bit numb. Almost like an antidepressant type yeah. effect. Yeah, like capping the highs and right. But not so you're just pretty much just neutral. Flatlined. Wow. Like a numbing of the emotions. And is that at a significantly high um, amount or is that just in general a prolonged use of ashwagandha? Well, we're seeing individuals get that effect even after one week of dosing. So like Shit. after just one week of dosing, they're, they're starting to experience side effects. And I think it. I've got theories and this is this is actually a million dollar question right now. So if anyone's listening to this who knows how to – reverse these side effects um it's a really it's a i'm on the hunt for it like i'm so these effects are, are hanging around even after people stop supplementing with it that's the that's the devastating part is that um shit i get messages i'm you know active on social media and i get you know at least one to two messages a day saying hey man i stopped ashwagandha last year and i'm still suffering from the side effects you're talking about what can i do um and no one knows and We've got theories, like we've got, I've got like what I call like experimental compounds that can help to re, um, relieve the side effects, but they're only temporary. And for some guy, unfortunately for some people it can linger. Um, yeah. I mean, there's, there's theories as to like why it's doing that. And there's one main theory that I, that I've sort of like mm-hmm. pioneered and that's like desensitizing a particular serotonin receptor, the like 5-HD1A receptor, which is what you said antidepressants can yeah. actually do the same thing as well shit that's interesting so even in small doses right so you're starting to see obviously i'm assuming very small amounts in in a number of supplements now would you be avoiding them altogether uh well I, in some individuals who are really super highly stressed and anxious uh ashwagandha can be a lifesaver for them and that can be you know highly advantageous and mm. actually make them feel better and all, all sorts of stuff but there's so many other ways to achieve an anti-stress effect yep. without the side effects. Like there's so, like L-theanine, mm. there's so many other ways to do it. I just think ashwagandha, it's just too risky in my opinion. You mentioned the blood work before, and this is something I'm curious about. Um, for someone, for anyone who's listening in Melbourne, right? Or actually anywhere in Australia, to be honest, but particularly Melbourne, this is basically for me. Um, where is the best place to go and get blood work done? And what you should, what should you be asking for to get like a fully comprehensive blood work done yeah so um the company that i work with is called iMedical, um, right. imedical.com.au super easy it's mm-hmm. literally a private way to get a blood test whatever you want you can select whichever ones you want without a doctor yeah, involved right. um and you can literally select what you want um they'll send you your like form in, as, as an email yeah you can print off the form and literally walk into your local clinical labs or Dorovich mm-hmm. and um, just say, here's my form, draw my blood. They draw your blood and within two to three days, you can get your results emailed back to you without any doctor involved. And the reason why I, I've got nothing against doctors, like I'm, I'm a big believer in, you know, I think that can be highly beneficial in certain yep. situations, but um, it just means that you don't have to like beg to get blood work done yeah. because they can be, I hear stories all the time. My doctor wouldn't let me get this. He was a headache. He just kept questioning me. Like, 
have you sort of heard that as well with like certain doctors, things like that? Yeah, for sure. And not even that, like just getting blood work, asking for certain blood work, getting it back and then only having like one or two of the things that I was hoping to yeah. to actually look at as part of that blood work. Mm. So yeah. just having to go back multiple times. Uh, it's just a nuisance. Yeah. It's a headache. I know it's out of pocket. Like you have to pay because it's mm. not covered by Medica- uh, Medibank or Medi- Medicare. Um but yeah, in this case, in this case, I'd say like iMedical and other companies, iScreen. Okay, that's another company. But um, yeah, they're like the main ones that I refer. And I've got like my, I've got like my men's hormonal panel. Mm-hmm. Actually, on that site, there's they've actually created a panel that I recommend. I think it's called like Ergo, Ergo E R G O H. Okay, I, we could and that's kind of that's most of the the things that you would be you'd be getting people to to get their blood work done. On. It's like all the essential tests that okay. I think are really critical. Like it's awesome. about there's probably like eighteen. Unreal. Yeah, yeah. We'll definitely have links to that um, in the show notes below because um, I've been super keen to to get some more bloods done. We had um, <coughs> we had it was Dan Garner um, oh, yeah. on the on the pod a while back and you know we talked a lot about blood work and different uh levels that people should be keeping an eye on and afterwards i was just like i have no idea where you would even get that done here without like because there's somewhere you literally had to like send it away and i think for a lot of people it's just too invasive and just not something that people want to be doing yeah um to be honest but interesting let's dive into testosterone so we obviously there's, there's so many different hormones we could talk about, but today I think testosterone would be something that a lot of people, obviously predominantly men, are going to get a lot out of. Um, the first thing I wanted to ask you is what are the most common reasons as to why uh, men have low testosterone outside of age? Yeah, so I'd say probably the number one factor would have to be obesity. Um, that's like it being overweight can actually lower testosterone through increasing inflammation, increasing the conversion of testosterone to estrogen. Um, so I'd say like that would be probably based on the statistics, like that would be number one factor. Number two would be exposure to like endocrine disrupting chemicals we see in our environment, um, which we're all exposed to every single day. And that's one of the reasons why I was talking about the liver before mm. is because no matter where you live in Melbourne or Australia, like you're still going to be exposed to chemicals and instead of being like hyper hyper paranoid about trying to avoid you, you we just can't like fully yeah. avoid it so like the next best thing is to like okay well i'm exposed to it then what can i do i mean i can jump in the sauna mm-hmm. sweat it out things like that take a liver sup but i'd say like definitely um exposure to plastics drinking from plastic bottles um touching receipts you know leeches plastic say it again uh, Touch, touching receipts <laughs> as in like a receipt that you would get from the supermarket yeah, or whatever. I prefer not to touch the receipt um, right? because the ink that's freshly printed on the paper is actually really high in BPA. Shit. Yeah. So just things like that, just to be pr- like to avoid. Um, and then also like probably the fact that the, um, the testes get too warm. Um, so, so <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> So, uh, like, this is, you know, a a factor that a number of guys don't really consider, but there is a reason why the testes hang outside the body is because they need to be kept cool. Like, they need to be kept cooler than the, like, the body itself. Mm. And so 
any anytime the testes are too warm, that can actually decrease testosterone production. Um, so that's like a factor that men should, you know, consider. And then I'd say um, like poor sleep, like sleep would definitely, poor sleep contributes to a lot of health issues, but like, you know, poor sleep's going to affect recovery mm-hmm. and anabolic, uh, anabolic hormones and things like that. So yeah, definitely those. In terms of the nutrition side of that, so obviously you mentioned before, if you're significantly overweight, um, that can have a, a negative effect. In terms of the nutrition side, what uh, I guess are some tips or advice around things we can be doing with our food in order to keep natural testosterone on the higher side? Yeah, so first and foremost, um, I think one thing that I see again with a number of athletes Mm -hmm. is like under eating or like caloric deficit. Yeah. Um, I mean, you could speak upon that from your preps. Oh, 100%, man. Like... you see it a lot, particularly obviously in that bodybuilding or physique space, where where the sole goal is to is to get as lean as possible. But people just significantly under eating and crash dieting and being in too much of a calorie deficit, or even pairing that with just an extended period of time in a severe calorie deficit, um, which obviously you know potentially is going to help them get to their their body composition goal. Um, but the the longer you're in that period, particularly in a, such a a large deficit it's uh it's detrimental to to your testosterone for sure yeah and also um affecting like neurotransmitters Mm. and so many other factors that would have a downstream effect on testosterone so i'd say from like the nutrition department um yeah making sure they're getting sufficient healthy fats and like when i say healthy fats i mean food groups like avocados macadamia nuts olive oil coconut oil ghee butter like these are like the go-to's Mm-hmm. salmon like fish like these are like the best fat sources and then looking at the carbohydrate sources i mean it depends on whichever ones you can digest the best i mean right personally i'm a big fan of like uh, white rice mm-hmm. sour, good quality or organic sourdough bread um things that i can easily digest fruits yep um like raw milk where possible where you getting that <laughs> Are you getting that? Undisclosed. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> that was the that was over the counter in Thailand, was yeah, it? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, so, okay, that kind of ticks off that nutrition side. Another part of it that I wanted to ask you about is um, what actually is the ideal range of testosterone for males? And I guess the um, you can obviously talk about this much better than I can, but like the free testosterone and whatever the other side of it's called. Yeah, so reference ranges, um, basically the way that they calculate reference ranges, mm-hmm. they, uh, they take a large sample of the population, which of course- it's Most likely low testosterone, <laughs> yeah. So then they do the average and they draw that sample and then they adjust the reference range. So right now it's like 180 to not, uh, 900. Is and like, that's free to, is it what- how does that actually work in terms of that, those numbers? Because you kind of see, you know, even when I've had testosterone, um, blood test done for testosterone here, I'll get the range that's between... Uh, oh, the different number? like a Yeah, the lower number, number, yeah. Oh, like, okay, so you, yeah, so that's picking moles per mil, uh, PMOL. So there's just a conversion. It's right, a okay. Conversion. So like, let's say you're around 30 which mm. is very high in that number. In that number, yeah. That's like around 950. Okay. Which, 
So when I like when I was like hot, like trying to max out my testosterone as high as possible, I was able to get it to thirty three point four, which Shit. was about just under a thousand nanograms wow. per deciliter. Um, and I had like a whole concoction of natural things that I could do to 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 do that mm-hmm. to achieve that. Feel free to just send me through what they were <laughs> after this, yeah. Yeah, for sure. I'll send you the um <laughs> yeah. stack and the protocol. Um, so like in that particular s- situation, I was trying to like basically what can I do to max it out as high as possible naturally? But going back to the reference range, like right now in Australia, like if you are a guy 20, let's say 25 years of age, um, your result is like 200. Let's say it's 200, which by the way, that's about the level of an 80 year old man. Um, You're considered normal. Like you are considered, there's nothing wrong with you. Just keep on going going about your daily life. How is that the... How is that the process in terms of like the way they get the ideal ranges by genuinely just basing it off the averages and continuing to, I guess, align it with whatever the the population is doing when clearly that's declining over time? Well, they're seeing, well, they're actually reducing the, the top end of the reference range down. So like if you're, and everything's shifting down. So it's not a, it's really not a fair way to, it's going to get to a point where the high high end range is is you know ten years ago the bottom end yeah. of the low range. Yeah, or it could be like them. In, well, there's a theory that they say that in like 25 years from now, all men in the Western world will be infertile. That's like what they predict, and that's why like IVF and yeah, all that's gone through the roof, and many factors are contributing that. Sperm counts are plummeting down. Like men are just simply being under attack through so many different you know environmental things like it's just difficult for a man particularly the young men of today who unfortunately like they're suffering from like low mood um they're just not motivated they're not as strong and resilient they're not like they're not confident that's one really big area is that like we've seen through a number of the guys that i've worked with is like like lack of confidence and it really comes back to I've never seen a guy with high testosterone lack confidence. Like I just, I see mm. them and they're all CEOs, executives, or they're just like smashing it. They've got their own business and they're just killing it. Mm. And they're the guys with the high test and the guys with low test are the ones that are like just barely scraping by. And they're like you know, struggling in their relationship. Mm. They're struggling to- Is it so is that, I'm assuming as one of the larger reasons as to why fertility is dropping is because testosterone is- Dropping? Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. Like there's a contributing factor there. Um, so I think the reference range is like realistically, let's say we're talking about, I'm sure you've got tons of guys listening to this who are between the age of 25 and 40, let's mm-hmm. say. But that's the demographic. Yep. If they're in that age range, I would want them to be in the upper end of the reference range, 700 to 900 total testosterone. And then that free testosterone anywhere from – uh, 450 to about 600 is like ideal. Right. Um, and then, yeah, that's pretty much if they're wanting to optimize their like energy, mm-hmm. motivation, recovery, body, uh, dropping body fat, building muscle. Muscle like, mass, yeah. It's going to help with that. Yeah. All right. So we've just kind of discussed particularly around the fact that on average the in men testosterone levels are declining. Mm. Naturally, what can men be doing to increase testosterone? I think more so from a, a supplementation or, or um, 
compound uh, <laughs> side of things. Obviously, you know, assuming that taking care of the nutrition, you know, they're they're um, taking care of their sleep and trying to get high quality sleep. They're they're hydrated. They're training um, regularly and all that type of stuff. When it comes to the supplementation side of things, naturally first, because I do want to touch on some TRT stuff and. Sure help people get an understanding of what that is and, and maybe who should look at taking that option. But naturally, what can people do? Yeah, so obviously from a supplementation perspective, there's a ton of supplements out there that can that claim to assist with testosterone production or fertility and things like that. So I, I've personally sampled, you know, hundreds of different supplements. You know, I was telling you before I worked at my dad's pharmacy, so mm. I was already starting back early when I was 21, 22. So I was researching back then. Um, nowadays I've come up with like a particular stack and this, mm-hmm. the entire protocol I've laid out in like a beautifully presented like course. That's the Limitless course. Um, yep. which we cool. Can, we'll have that in the, in the yeah, show notes. Limitless, yeah, limitlesscourse.com, shameless plug, but that's like a- um, That's all right. It's got a full suite of what I did to max out testosterone. So I'll start from top to bottom, mm-hmm. um, like a like a high level. Um, Tonkat Ali is definitely one of them, as you mentioned before. But mm. again, it has to be a, a high quality extract because I was saying to you that yeah. they can even fake Tonkat Ali with like sawdust and. I reckon that's what was in the one that I was taking <laughs> recently, going off the size of these. <laughs> um, then another herbal extract Fidogia agrestis is definitely a winner um that's one that dr andrew huberman spoke mm-hmm. about and actually just side note there one of my favorite quotes that andrew huberman talks about is um how he says that testosterone makes effort feel good mm. think about that like testosterone makes effort feel good which then leads to, to more dopamine yeah. hits and stuff as well yeah. yeah it just makes it's a positive loop yeah you know so you, Going back to that though, um, uh, Tongarali, Fidoja Agrestis, and the third one is a Chinese medicine, so um, traditional Chinese medicine, TCM herb called Sistanch. Mm-hmm. And Sistanch is what they believe to be Genghis Khan's favorite herb um, that he used to populate what percentage of um, Asia mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> with his uh, masculine prowess abilities and, um, you know, mating behavior um <laughs> but um yeah cystanch is definitely one he was of them. on the higher end <laughs> um said to believe to uh well they say that cystanch can um increase resting hang size uh if you know what i mean in terms of um yeah i know what you mean yeah <laughs> <laughs> um but yeah that's definitely definitely a winner and then also what was that one again sorry uh cystanch you can remember it by uh yeah. in your pants yeah <laughs> Nice. So they're the three. Uh, they're three, but then there's also um, taurine in a very, very high dose, so like about five grams of yep. taurine a day. Um, and then also pine pollen tincture. So like a really potent um, extract of pine pollen, which mm-hmm. is like Mother Nature's most potent source of phytoandrogens. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's like the concoction that I pretty much use to, you know, max out my test. Unreal. So we'll we'll have a link to um, to the, all that stuff in the in the show notes for everyone to go and check out for themselves, um, and obviously links to um, all of Lucas's stuff online as well. Before we kind of get towards the end here, I, I do want to ask you about, about TRT, um, yep. testosterone replacement therapy, which is something that's becoming um, increasingly uh, more popular recently. Um, not only 
being used, but just being talked about, you feel like the, I'm hearing people talk about it daily and you're seeing it more online and whatnot. So firstly, what is it? Um, I guess, secondly, who should be looking to, to start to, to use TIT? And then I guess, what are some of the actual, um, I guess, the cons of using it that some people probably aren't putting into consideration into? Yeah, so first of all, TRT can only legally be administered if you are very, very low in testosterone. So like TRT stands for testosterone replacement therapy. Um, And so most of the time TRT is administered in gel. So androgel is what's commonly used. Um, But that's not the most effective way to achieve higher testosterone through exogenous use the best way is injection um so that's like um depending on the individual subcutaneous or intramuscular um and so some of the considerations so like if we look at a scenario the only time that i will like refer a client will be if they are concerned about fertility they want to maintain their sperm count um then trt is not a viable option because TRT will will actually significantly lower sperm count and it can actually act as a male contraceptive when we introduce wow. testosterone as a hormone into the body because it basically it's telling the body it no longer needs to produce its own. Yeah. There's no counter. counter um, There's no negative feedback loop. But is there is there a counter... Um, way to compound way or whatever it is that you can that you can be using at the same time yeah yeah to alleviate that problem yeah so a lot of men will then run something known as hcg Mm. chorionic gonadotrophin which is a way to at least preserve fertility right Um, and that can definitely work so this is where you know men can't just be blindly jumping on trt for a couple of weeks and (laughs) (laughs) yeah you know, so they need to be really, and they also need to be really careful with the dosages as well, because there are there can be side effects with TRT, right. only when administered under like conditions where they're not well dosed. Um, they don't understand how to use it properly, um, and it can also at very very high doses can also like thicken the blood in some cases. So um, this is where donating- So when someone's pushing it way above natural levels. Yeah. 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 When they're pushing it into supra physiological levels, Mm -hmm. it can lead to thickened blood, things like that. Um, And then also it can in some cases affect some markers of cholesterol when again, really high, but you're better off. Um, Honestly, I would rather a guy be on TRT in their 60s, 70s and well, let's say 50s, 60s, 70s then be suffering from low low test. Yeah. It's like a clear, obvious benefit. Yeah. And like I'm just shocked that my my dad's not even on it. But <laughs> Yeah, <laughs> right. <his choice. laughs> For someone that's pushing so obviously you can when using TRT, when done it um correctly or, or with someone watching over you, you're most likely pushing your testosterone to the to the upper range or the higher range of what your natural test would be. For those that are I don't want to ask this. So, because I know a lot of people um, who have been natural, let's say someone who's in the gym, right? A bodybuilder who is natural, has been natural their whole life. I feel like there's a bit of a, an argument or a case at the moment between someone getting on TRT and pushing their, their test to the, to the upper limit of what natural tests should be in comparison to someone who is just blatantly, you know, jumping on, on the gear and anabolic steroids and whatnot. There's got to be 
clearly some some physiological or a lot of physiological benefits for someone on TRT, probably not as much as someone on the anabolics, but would you still classify this person as natural if they're using TRT? Um, technically, like, they're not. If they jump on TRT, you mean under the age of, like, what, 40 or so? Yeah. And I mean, uh, I mean, starting here about... Oh, young guys. Yeah, people in their 20s. Yeah. Even, even early 30s, someone yeah. that doesn't necessarily need TRT but is using it. Well, in that case, I mean, <laughs> they're not they're not considered natty. But yeah. again, I have nothing wrong with that group of guys if they want to if they want to, you know, do that. Then I, I don't think there's anything really wrong if they want to like seriously improve their physique, mm. recover like a beast, and train like a beast. Like it's going to help mm. without a doubt. Um, and so I'd rather th- see them do it well than be suffering from low test. Like it just just think about the output that they can achieve like i hear it from guys all the time and it's also the psychological yeah benefit they get a lot of guys say that they almost become addicted to that um positive mood state mm-hmm. it's, it is a drug it yeah. is psychoactive it can be very powerful in the brain yeah. makes them want to do more work they feel more like they can do shit after work instead of just crash on the couch mm-hmm. like they can just do a lot that's what I hear is their stress tolerance is just goes up significantly. Interesting. In a bodybuilding show, would they be able to say, let's say a drug tested bodybuilding show. If someone had just used TRT to their, to the upper limit of what they should naturally be at, would they be, would they test, would they fail their drug test? Uh, yeah. Cause there's another, there's a way of like detecting exogenous. Yeah. There's like a metabolite epi test. Right. They, can, they, they can figure that out. Yeah. Yeah. Um. Yeah, there would be there are ways to to get around that though. There would be ways to yeah, like, sure. You know, get around that sort of thing. Interesting. So, just to reiterate, you would be you would recommend TRT for someone who is not worried about their fertility and they're pushing what forty plus, yeah. and, and with with naturally low test, and they've exhausted all yeah. of the other modalities like the natural stuff that I refer to that yeah. if they've completely tried everything under the sun and they've just exhausted everything then I'm like right you're a great candidate you've had kids you're not worried about having any kids anymore like mm-hmm. you don't care about um, that sort of stuff then go ahead you know interesting <laughs> mate there is a million other things uh, I feel like we could talk about and um, you know love to get you back on at some point we can dive into to all those other things but um i appreciate you coming on today there's been so much that i've learned from today's episode and i'm sure for all the listeners and and those that are watching this at the moment um there's plenty of people taking a lot away from this is there anything else you wanted to to mention before we wrap up mate no just really um yeah just like i'd say like one last message is just to build that level of self-awareness when it comes to health Mm -hmm. try and develop that because there's so many different interventions you can trial and um, just, yeah, build that self-awareness and try and just monitor how you feel. Cause like what I'm recommending may not be good for you, but ultimately it comes back to how do you feel? Like, how do you subjectively feel if it's working for you? Great. And there's no side effects. Keep going. Otherwise, yeah, just hopefully they, you know, can devour my content and learn from my education. So yeah, I appreciate um, you know, having the opportunity to chat.
Danny. Pleasure, mate. Thanks so much for coming on, man. And, and for everyone who has tuned in, whether you're listening to this on whatever podcast platform you use or you are watching this, we'd love for you uh, to send through some feedback. So maybe grab a screenshot of this episode, share it on your social media, uh, make sure you subscribe to the podcast, share the episode with a friend, um, and we look forward to chatting with you guys in the next episode. Thanks so much for listening. Awesome.